Empacadores sin fronteras, dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. How you doing, Brent? Face to doing face, well. here he is. He's uh, doing well. in his closet. It looks like he got some whips and chains on the right there. That's perfect for our upcoming I, game. We've perfect, got. Uh, yeah. We're going to be playing BDSM furniture or IKEA furniture. <laughs> 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 Sounds good. This, these are the games we play. Of course, long time. Uh, uh, so, uh, Brent, uh, tell 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 us about yourself. Where where are you from? How long you've been a Packer fan? What's your was, uh, uh, ATM pin? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. And wow. I've been a Packer fan my entire life. Uh, my dad was a diehard Packers fan back in the Lombardi days. Huge Bart Starr, Ray Nitschke fan. Uh, started watching the games with him when I was uh, very young. And I really, I guess, really started to get into it right as Favre took over for uh, Mikowski at uh, quarterback. It was right when I really became a diehard fan. So been a fan my uh, my whole life. Uh, always used to go and watch the games with him, you know, discuss the games. He was a Packers owner. I became a Packers owner. I have my share of stock hanging on the wall. Uh, he passed sure. away about four months ago. So, uh, that's kind of really when I started to get onto the, the Twitter, you know, give me somebody else to, to kind of talk, talk about the games and, and, uh, discuss football. So, so are you in Alaska right now? I am not. I live down in Palmdale, California. Now I moved when I was about 19. I was the youngest. My dad and uncle owned a construction company together and I was the youngest of all the uh, brothers and cousins. So they waited till I graduated high school. And they moved their business down to Palmdale, California. So I went to school down here in uh, one year at University of Oregon and then finished up in Southern California. And I work now out in Palmdale, California. I work at Edwards Air Force Base for uh, Boeing in defense and space. 
So I'm a Southern California person. What the fuck now. are you doing on here, dude? You're going to lose all your security clearance after this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Early retirement. Uh, yeah. It'll be one of those things, you know, if I show up on Monday and they say, you know, we'd like to see you in the office. I'm like, well, okay. Terminated with extreme prejudice. <laughs> you know, after, after 26 years, uh, you know, I've got to have a little bit of leeway built up at least. So, Maybe so just Brent, a little. when did you start losing your hair? <laughs> oh my god you should see uh, i'll have to send you a family picture of all my uncles and cousins and everybody when we're fishing in alaska it is brutal i actually have more hair than anybody else in the family you got uh, a good most of, beard, man. that's why i'm saying like you've got the beard going yeah. both of my uh cousins on my dad's side um are both uh bald but they have oh, these yeah. bad fucking beards and huge like calves <laughs> and muscles and i'm just like this little i have hair i just don't have any muscles so yeah my brother and all my cousins they, they've gone with the full shave it and then they've got the whole mustache goatee thing going and uh it was so funny in the family picture because my son who's 22 years old he's he's standing on the end of the line and he's the only one who has any hair left and everybody who looks at the picture just says here's your future just might as well accept it now you know god made only so many perfect heads and the rest he covered with hair right yeah, that's right that's so right. Th yeah and and then you know what they call that when you're bald and you've got the goatee you know what they they call it prison pussy that's what they call that <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, I do find myself every now and then kind of, you know, licking up there. Okay. Going, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> telling you. <laughs> I don't know if it's the leftover lunch or if it's just wishful thinking. <clears throat> this is not your regular podcast. We will not sit here monotone and drone. We like to have fun. We like to make people laugh. We like to make each other laugh. I, I know you're a listener. I know you're a Patreon listener. And you've got the shirt. Are you wearing the shirt today? I am, yes, I'm actually wearing uh, Look at that. a Dyer shirt today. And, and we're going to talk about the back end today and how Joe, Joe Barry deserves it in the back end after everything that I said. <laughs> Absolutely. We've also got Dr. Uh, Pock, Dr. D. Pock's uh, fantasy football injury report right after the break. And we've uh, got a game we're going to play today, too. Uh, it's uh, called uh, BDSM Furniture or IKEA Furniture. Uh, fabulous <laughs> prizes and or uh, nothing will be won. Uh, I would like to uh, give a shout out to our uh, new sponsor, Fluid Proof Sheets. Okay. <laughs> the defense, Bruce. <laughs> so where do you want to start? You want to start up front or do you want to start out back? Because we need to find some sort of semblance of how this can get fixed because we know it's fucked up. And our eyeballs and the numbers both match what we see. Like it's well, just it's terrible. Much, much, much like my beer store and casino, liquor in the front, poker in the back. Let's start with the front. All right. So we know that the Packers are very good in terms of hurries and pressures, but we are not getting to the quarterback, right? Like it's been pretty apparent that we're giving their wide receivers enough time to do a cross crossing route or a mesh route behind our linebackers at 15 to 18 yards at 134.3 passer rating. Thank you very much. That's dang near perfect. That's dang near perfect. 154, which makes no sense as to why it's perfect. But on the front end, I think the concern is, and this is what I was just telling you, Matt, we are not, we, we've got five man fronts and we're not blitzing per At se. All. 
at all, even though we're rushing five. So we do have five people on the line. Obviously, we've got Clark, Lowry, you know, we've got Reed in there quite a bit. And then we've got Gary Preston. But really, it stops there. They are not rushing anybody other than those fives. They're not bringing any pressure from the linebackers. I mean, you're talking about no um, Quay, no Campbell blitzes. 15% of the time on Quay, 3.9% on Campbell. So no linebackers. It's even worse on the back end when you're talking about safeties and uh, the DBs, right, coming up and, and making any type of blitzing packages. So do you anticipate we start getting more – really the question is, is this defense going to become more aggressive to utilize the talent? That's the question I have for you, gentlemen. What do you think, Brett? Well, I, I think they have to be because when you look at it, we're looking at quarterbacks who, who honestly – they're pros, so you know they're pro quarterbacks, but not exactly the best in the league. You know, I wouldn't expect Zappy to to tear us up like he did. When when you're playing so far off the line like they are, they're aligning the same every time. You're not fooling them. It's like a baseball pitcher saying the catcher turning around to the batter, going, "I'm going to throw a fastball." You know, go ahead, try to hit it. We're letting them know every time, kind of what we're going to be in. We're not rerouting the receivers. So they're not having to run any option routes, you know, with a young quarterback like that, you're thinking a lot of times, how are they going to read the defense? Is the receiver going to read the in route or out route the same way I do? Maybe there's that little bit of hesitation. We're not putting any doubt or hesitation into any of these quarterbacks. We're not rerouting the routes and everything. And I think that leads into they're being able to throw on time. That extra, if we put a little pressure, if we rerouted guys at the line a little bit, or at least every once in a while, it puts that little bit of doubt into the quarterback's mind, gives them that extra pump, that extra beat. Then guys like Slayton and Gary, they're going to get home on some of those sacks, but we're just playing so vanilla and so predictable. I don't think any of the offensive coordinators or these quarterbacks are, are we're not really giving them anything to think about. So I think it has to change. We just can't keep going along the way we're doing. We're doing this read and react that Bruce has related, uh, elated to a, a few times or eluded, eluded. Alluded. I don't know. I'm yeah. high. So they are we're, not doing this, we're, yeah. we're doing this read and, read and react. And if you watch, especially on third and fourth downs, when, whenever it's like a second and four, our DBs are lined up eight yards deep. I mean, as an offensive coordinator and as a quarterback, you got to be thinking, I'll just hit any one of my receivers here and pick up the first down. Why would I even attempt to change a route, right? You bring up yeah. the press coverage, and this is what Bruce and I were talking about this whole offseason, what we were anticipating the preseason and even the first couple of games. We have arguably three of the best corners in the league, at least two of the very best, two of the top, top right? Douglas back and forth. But why aren't we putting these guys man up, especially when it comes down to the fourth quarter and we're watching Tom Brady or we're watching Zappy or we just watched the Giants with Daniel Jones. Why are we not putting our guys man on man and saying your best guy has to beat my best guy. And if that's the way we lose, that's the way we lose. If we put these guys up on the line and start doing things like press and, 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 you know, chuck the guy at the line a little bit and give him a little bit of physicality. This gives uh, our, our 
edges, our D-line, that extra step, that extra second. How many times have we seen Clark or Gary or Preston or even, you know, uh, and I'm going to say his name wrong. Is it Inikbar? How many times have we seen? Yeah. How many times have we seen this guy just within arm's reach right there, having to ease up at the last second? Imagine if he had just one more second, we'd be at at the very least knocking the quarterback down, getting him off his spot, making the quarterback think. I mean, if we go way back, way, way back to when Clay Matthews was playing for the Packers and we played against the Eagles and their number one quarterback was out. And I think it was, was it Kolb or call what was the guy's name k-o-l-b do you remember that was the that was the quarterback that they had and we sent matthews just just said forget all the coverages you hear you just run after this guy and matthews had three sacks in the first half and they had to actually take that quarterback out put the third string quarterback in and he sat there shaking at the knees scared to death that big bad clay matthews was going to come and get him we don't see that at all with this current defense and and I believe this current defense is better than that 2010 team, that 2011 team. I mean, maybe not Charles Woodson, but, you know, when we look at it collectively, we've got a much better defense. We need to start letting the offenses know this is the only thing you can do on us. And you're just going to have to figure it the frick out. Instead, we're going, oh, you need to go four yards. Let me line up nine yards deep and play a cover two shell umbrella. And hopefully you won't realize that all my guys are five yards past the the sticks so that you've got an easy first down. And when you talk about those crossing routes, that's exactly it, Bruce. They're having so much time back there that they can actually complete an 18-yard passing route that crosses through the middle with intricacies without having any trouble. Think about when Rogers is in the pocket and we're second and four and the first and all the routes are progressing at 12 and 15 yards. How many times has Rogers had to throw it away, run out of the pocket, run for his life. Well, get he's at, and the problem is that Rogers is leading the league in passes behind the line of scrimmage. So like, it's just not there. The problem is, and it's real apparent when you look at first and second and third down for us. Right. And I think we all see this. In first and second down, we're only rushing on 15% of the time, or we're basically playing man 15% of the time. And this is a really small sample size because we've actually only run man nine times the entire season, nine snaps total. But that's on first and on first and second down, 15% of the time, we bring some sort of pressure. Third down, we bring it up to 30%. And when you look at the splits on this, first down success rate for the other offense, right? is we're ranked 24th right now with 58.10% of converting on first down. Second down, we are 31st in the league, allowing 47.5% conversion rate on second down. So they're not even getting to third down. Now, when they get to um, third down conversion rates, we're number one in the league in stopping them on conversion rates. So, it's, it's we've a only ever stopped them once because they only ever got the third down once. Is that what you're saying? Well, basically, that's what's happening. <laughs> so we're 100%. Yeah. <laughs> They're second. eating up first and second down so well that they don't need a third down conversion. Exactly. It's 70% when they get, of the time. When they it, get to third down, they're so tired. They're like, we just, just, just punt it. Just so the big, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So the biggest yeah. issue that 
is that this defense is not aggressive enough on first and second down. And then, and that's why they're resting Gary. You remember last week, and I said this again, it's like, where was Gary for this longest time? They were resting in what? Until they get a third down, but they kept getting first downs on second, well, first no. and second down. And he was gone for a while. Gary, Gary came out in the first half and they retaped his ankle. I don't know. I never had spats. That's what it's called when they tape up your ankle. I never played with spats. I preferred... Uh, not to have my ankles taped, but I know guys that did have their ankles taped. Sometimes you'd get out there, you'd make a couple of plays and then your ankle just wouldn't feel right. The tape was wrong. It shifted, it twisted, it did something it shouldn't have. And you go back on the sidelines and they use what's called a shark and they tear, they cut it right up and they retape the ankle. And that takes to do it properly three, four five minutes. So it looked like Gary, the first time he was off, was because he had an ankle issue and they, they retaped his ankle or they retaped his shoe. Who knows? Maybe his shoe fell off. Maybe the sock, you know, there's a crinkle in my sock. I'm canceling the day. He said, that's it. I'm, <laughs> I'm out of here. But the second time they were totally resting him. And the reason they had to rest him was because they just weren't making any stops. I mean, the giants didn't do anything that we didn't think they were going to do. They had no wide receivers. So we thought they were going to run the whole time. And so Barry goes, I got an idea. Let's put two fat guys on the line and let them run for seven yards of carry. Let's play quarters, right? Yeah. Defense. <laughs> yeah. Let's prevent defense. We're leading the game. Prevent defense. Why are we not? We held Tom Brady. Remember, we were kicking Brady's ass. We were kicking the, the, the Buccaneers' ass. The defense was getting on and off the field, on and off the field. We get to fourth quarter time and Barry's like, umbrella, hit the parachute, right? Like he's like, well, why don't we back off? Why aren't we going forward the same way? Why change, right? Why change? The only in-game adjustment Barry seems to make is, is he hits that, it's the big red button like at Staples. That was easy. He hits it and the guys go eight yards deep and they play prevent. That's the only one he does. Yeah, and I know a, a big thing. I know you've talked about it before, Matt. Um, playing those only two down linemen and letting those offensive linemen come off, you know, one touch, one touch on their linemen, and then head into the second level. And that's creating a, a twofold problem that I see game after game. And and I've heard the coaches kind of talk about it. And I know from the players' perspective, they've got to be thinking, well, well, help us out a little bit, keep us clean. Keep yeah. us clean and we'll fill those gaps. We'll hit those run gaps. But then also when those linemen are coming out, I am seeing Campbell and Walker just basically, it's got to be going through their minds, not again. And they're yeah. just setting their feet and they're catching those blocks. And then the backs are running right by them. So they've yeah. either, if it's going to continue that way, they've either got to start, you know, let me sidestep and just shoot around and hope that that's the way that the back's coming. Or we've got to get more linemen in there and keep those guys clean and let them shoot up forward, fill those gaps, and, you know, muddy it up there in the in the middle a little bit. But but yeah, the the amount of linemen that are coming out and picking up those linebackers is staggering. So I then mean, you, you turn can... around and you go, well, where's the safety then? Who's next going to make the the tackle? Well, he lined up 25 yards down the field, so he's got a long run. Amos yeah. and Savage have got a long way to try to get up there. So you've got guys like I think. Uh, what uh, Bruce had put out the other day, I think um, some of the defensive backs, like, you know, Alexander was, I know way up on the, on the list of tackles. You don't want your DBs to be that far up on your list of tackles. If your DBs are making that many tackles, it means your front seven is shit. That's all it means. 
And we've got, I mean, think of all the first round draft picks, it's superstars seven. and pro bowlers that are in those front seven. How are we getting beat so bad? Well, let's see, Barry says. They're going to block with six big fat guys. So I'll put two big fat guys in there, see? And then what I'll do is I'll put 180-pound DB back there, and he'll just have to shed off the left guard, come off the fullback, and then make the tackle. <laughs> None of this is computing right. If we look at Barkley's big run, Savage and, and Campbell are being taken out by the fullback and one of the and the left guard. Like, wh where's the cleanup crew? Oh, don't worry. Amos is 45 yards in the other direction playing an umbrella. Like, yeah. Yeah, on, on all these plays, it seems that by alignment and by scheme, it's getting down to you're giving basically one guy one shot at the tackle. Everybody else is going to be tied up. We've got one guy who's got one shot at that tackle, you know, a misstep, a good move by a back, and it's just going to eat up huge amount of yards where you, you look at other schemes where maybe somebody's running a sweep out to the side. you got three or four players out there. They're just going to bottle it up, muddy it up. You know, there's not going to be anywhere to go. We're, we're, we're leaving it to, to one person. We've got all those seven first round draft picks, but, but still, you know, it needs to be more team ball out there. Not one guy with a shot at it. You know, the 49ers put four big guys on the line and they broke the Rams. They, they broke the Rams. The Rams can't run the ball anymore. They completely broke them. We put two guys on the line and go, how come he's being tackled eight yards deep? This isn't, this is, this is like your child putting the key in the electrical socket over and over again and saying, how come I keep getting a shock? The definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We have to put more meat on the line. I know, oh, the new NFL. Is it the new NFL? Because every year I hear some 21-year-old explain to me about the new NFL, and every year the team that plays good defense and can run the ball wins the Super Bowl, just like it was in 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. The list is its six miles long. We have to be able to play good defense, and we have to be able to run the ball. And playing good defense means limiting the big passing place and stopping the run. That's what it means. And we're not, we're not doing, doing that. We're not stopping the yeah. run. And there's huge passing plays every, oh, dang near every series. I mean, and if our offense only looked so explosive as, as the opponent's offense. And the long drives, the long drives are just killing us. I, I mean, oh. they're not having the ability to get off the field. Uh, even, even had we scored last week in London on that last possession, if we would have run the ball, we would have gotten it in. I give us maybe a 30 to 40% chance that we were going to stop them from coming right back down the yeah. field. I mean, that defense was pooped at that point. You know, when, when, and, and of course I, ne I am not NFL caliber. I'm just saying from my own experience, when I was a defensive coordinator and I watched my team get walked 87 yards down the field, at some point, I called a timeout. At some point, I walked over to the offensive coordinator and said, we need a few minutes. Like, why do we get walked down the field 87 yards and the first three plays out of Lafleur's mouth are long bomb, long bomb, long bomb. And then we hand the ball back. 13 seconds came off the game clock. We hand the ball back to the Giants. Our defense hadn't even got their helmets off yet. They haven't even sat down on the bench and taken a breath. 
and they're right back out there, guys, right back out there. We need to help each other out. The defense needs to start turning the ball over so that we can start getting these shorter fields for our offense. Yeah. You know how many offense, pass breakups? You know how many pass breakups we have as a team? Seven. 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 You know the next that's ranked 32nd. 31 has 14. There is a rookie, Sauce Gardner, who has just as many pass breakups as the Packers as a, as a whole. So Barry was on that defense of the Lions that went 0-16 that year. And LaFleur said, that's my guy. Wade Phillips sitting over on the side who would have torn the <laughs> NFC North a new asshole last year. He would have blitzed from every corner and we would have been talking about this defense, the ferocity and how, uh, you know, the blitzing well, Remember packages. Joe Barry played under or coached under Wade Phillips as well. So he kind yeah, of he's, he saw him one time. He brought him coffee one time for that week. <laughs> That's right. So he's qualified. LaFleur grabs these guys. I mean, Rich Bisaccia, he's got to be moved over from special teams over onto defense. Barry is a, he is a positional coach who has now gotten the job as a defensive coordinator and he's calling plays and he's not exactly sure why some of them work. Here's That's my solution. Are you ready? And, yeah. and this will transition Hire into, me. into Hire talking. Me. Yeah. No, because I'm on I my have- way. Because then I want to have a co-host. No, you will. Um, you will. We'll have a much better office. Here's <laughs> transitioning to the to the back to the back end of this defense. There were some comments from Jerry Gray, and I'm going to call it right now. The way you fix this defense is you fire Joe Barry and you put Jerry Gray as defensive coordinator who has called plays in the past in 2021. So put Jerry Gray as the defensive coordinator who understands the DBs. But when he was asked about basically what's going on, like he didn't argue that there were no problems and that they weren't being coached properly. He said, go ask Joe. So yeah. you know that even the coaches, so you've had players come out. You've now, lost now confidence. Coaches come out and everybody's starting to come out against what's going on. And it's not necessarily, I'm not too concerned about the offensive. I, I think on the offensive side, I think a lot of it has to do with LaFleur's play. When you look, go back and look at the scheme, players are open. It's just Aaron Rodgers needs to make better decisions. We've already yeah. talked about that and we need yeah. to trust that he's going to do that. But on the defensive side, the problem is as long as a guy is calling plays, they're going to look at the tape and they're going to say, you should have been here as opposed to saying, it's my fucking fault to not put you in the place to, to be able to break up a pass. We, you know, from 2019 to 2022, 74 pass breakups. That's phenomenal. That's four a game that we had on average right now. We're at seven total through five weeks. And that's not going to change because he's going to say play it's your fault as opposed to going up yeah. to Jair and saying, dude, I need you to make a fucking play. You line up on this motherfucker right here and you take him out of the game. Make how, them- do you not, how do you not do that in that Minnesota game? You've got Justin Jefferson who's setting league records in the first seven minutes and you don't walk over to your best corner Jair and say, go be on him and wherever he goes, you stay with him. I'm sick of hearing his name being called. How do you not make that adjustment? And Barry and Lafleur goes, well, you see, the whole defense needs to be no, no, it doesn't. It just doesn't. You're now you're making this up. If you send Jair over and the other DBs know that Jair's playing man up on this guy, and they see all of a sudden they're getting stacked on one side, a DB will run over to the other side. This is a very, very easy adjustment to make. In the years that I played, in the years that I coached, this happens all the time. All the time. 
you stay on this guy right here. Everyone else line up in different positions. If your players don't know the role of their positions, that's a coaching problem. If your players don't know the entire defensive playbook, that's a coaching problem. If you're the second year in the system and your players are having communication issues, that's a coaching problem. It comes down to this. Is it easier to replace 11 guys or one guy? It's one guy. It's Joe Barry. This is the week it either gets turned up and they, they let these boys go, or this is the week that Barry's got to go. He's just got to yeah. go because we've got a stellar all-star cast on the defense and they should be setting league records, not offensive league records. <laughs> I mean, you look at coaches, you look at, look at coaches like Bill Belichick, who I, I'm not a huge fan of, of his, but he is notorious for saying, okay, I am going to take your one best thing away from you. Make the rest of your guys beat me. I got to be- believe that, that Greg's going into that, that secondary meeting, in, into the defensive meetings as a secondary coach going, lean on my guys. Let yeah. my guys take their guys. Let's push the safety up in the box. Let's get those more big men up front. Let's just stop the run. If they decide that they have to pass, my guys are going to reroute them. They're going to be stuck to them like glue. Maybe they catch a pass here or there, but we're going to win more than we're going to lose in that situation. At some point, you got to take a little bit of a chance because Bruce and I have gone back and forth a lot of times talking about the running. You know, take that five, six yards that they're going to give it to you. Just like you said, Matt, if we're lining up so far off the line, if if teams do that to us, Roger steps up two steps back, throws it out to wide receiver. I'll eat up those six or seven yards. Death yeah. by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Okay. You know, we need to be doing the same thing or have that same mentality defensively. And we're just letting that happen. Just letting that death by a thousand cuts. So that's the worst we end part up with, is we end are, up with a seven and a half minute drive. You we, know? Are, yeah. we are pedestrians. We are pedestrians in our defense watching it happen. And you can see, I mean, Jair came out week one. I don't know why I wasn't on Jefferson. I wanted Jefferson. I asked for Jefferson all week, but you know, it's a team thing and the coach wanted this. And then of course, LaFleur doubled down. Barry knows, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. First loss, first game. This is like a preseason. Let's take a deep breath. Then you see it again. Well, then, then again, we win. So nobody says again. anything. Yeah. Yeah. When, they, we when win, they win, nobody yeah. says anything. And then we lose. And then Aaron Jones comes out and talks shit about what's going on with the offense. And then we lose again. And it's real apparent that it's the defense and your own, your own DB coach, your own coach is now talking shit saying, go talk to him about that. Cause you know, exactly what you guys said in that room, he's vying for his fucking players. His players are probably going to him. I want to fucking man up. And then, Gray, Why aren't DBs? We've got three guys on the in the DBs that run four two. We don't have one of them blitzing the quarterback ever. I don't understand. We we're not going to unleash our horses. I don't get it. And, and, and Douglas, go, oh, you Douglas know, uh, is uh, oh he's struggling in the slot. He's struggling. Yeah, his and his strength. His strength is is being in somebody's face. He's so strong. You know, get get their hands on him right off the bat. So now we've got him so far off the line in the slot that he still wants to get his hands on him, but now it's holding or illegal contact because yeah, he's, he's not got more face. penalties for than pass breakups. Yeah, a perfect example was that Raiders game. You look at that last play of that Raiders game. 
and Renfro, and he plows into Adams because Adams was not where he was supposed to be at that time. Why? His defensive back jammed him in the face coming off the line, disrupted him. And we all know how good he is and how good his footwork is coming off the line. They rerouted him coming off the line. He was late getting to his spot. So Renfro makes his outbreak and runs right into him. It's that kind of disruption we're not having. Do you remember Al Harris and Mike McKenzie? We had those DBs, yes. right? Okay. Yep. They weren't the best. Atari Bigby. They no. weren't the best yeah. corner cover corners in the league, but they got up on the line. And for those first five yards, you struggled for every bloody step. And by that time, Catman, KGB, those guys got home. And that was yep. the idea. We now have arguably Jair and Stokes can cover anyone in the league. They can cover anyone in the league. And I know they're going to have some people go, oh, well, here's the one play where he was beat that day. Yeah, they ran 63 routes and got beat once. Yeah, bad day, bad day. We get it for DBs, right? Instead of putting these guys, I, I mean, I would have them lined up right on the line of scrimmage, first down, first and 10. I want you lined up right on the line of scrimmage. And every time your guy takes a step, you punch him in the face. I want you to block him right in the tits. That's what we used to call it. You put your hands out and you aim right for his tits. And you hit him so hard so many times that he just refuses to come off the line. You have to dictate it. If we think back to a Brett Favre year, I think it was 2004, and we were playing Seattle and Ryan Grant was our running back. This was the playoffs. It was snowing. And we get the ball and Ryan Grant fumbles it and the Seahawks go in and uh, they score a touchdown, right? And it was that game where we were just constantly, of course, Favre led us back to the big win. We always beat the Seahawks back then. But if you remember one of the very first plays that the Seattle Seahawks uh, offense had, it was a crossing route, an in route, right in front of the linebackers. And it was about a five, six yard deep. And they, they had this guy that was a really good uh, tight end back then. He crosses, Nick Barnett lays him out. They never ran the crossing route again that entire game. And this tight end, that was his bread and butter. We don't do that on our defense. We don't say you can't come here. We go after you. Please this way, sir. Oh, would you like to run free until the eight yard mark where we'll finally have Savage and Amos make the tackle? Like we are not attacking the front. We are like Bruce calls it read and reacting. And we are just, we're, we're getting beat to it every single time. They're not doing what the other teams are doing to us, dictating and taking one thing away. And what they're doing is daring Aaron Rodgers to throw. And they've been doing it for a couple of years. And we're always like, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to fucking destroy him. Right. But the problem is that he's still a fantastic quarterback, but these defenses are taking away the run. Why? Because Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, uh, He's great, and I don't know if it's scheme or if he's just not. I don't think AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon needs twenty yards of carry to get warmed up. He's just like Derrick Henry. If you look at the numbers, Henry in the first quarter quarter is only three four yards. Then he gets to the second quarter and it's four five yards, and then by the fourth quarter it's ten and eleven. And and that's what Dillon is. But Dillon only gets eight yards, eight carries a game. He needs twenty. He is a full time back, and he gets eight. Yep. Jones gets eight. Our defense needs to dictate and at least take something away, which is what you said, Brent. So here's my question to both of you guys. Um, what do you expect to see out of this defense? 
this week? Is it going to be the same or do you actually expect them to make a change? Uh, I think I expect to see some semblance of a change. And the big question I think I'm, I'm going to have is, are they going to stick to it? You know, I think they'll, they'll go ahead and make a change, whether it's uh, a bigger blitz package, maybe heavier up front, getting more D linemen in there, bringing the safeties down a little closer, uh, whatever it's going to be. I think we are going to see some kind of a change because I think Lafleur finally has gone into Barry and said, look, you know, something's got to change, but whether he'll stick with it or, you know, maybe one or two things doesn't quite go right. Something that might require a small adjustment. And I just hope he doesn't fall back into, oh, well, see, we tried it. That didn't work. Let me go back to my comfort zone. Everybody back, back off again. Because, you know, that doesn't work. It might have worked in past years when we're putting 30 points up a game. Yeah, you, you could let a team rip you for 24 if you're going to put up 30 every game and the offense is going to go up and down the field. Well, not when the offense is having drives two and three minutes long and some 13 seconds long, and you're out there for seven and eight minutes at a time. It's just the script has been flipped. So I think they have to. And I, I think this is the week where they do make a change. It's just I think the question is going to be, will they stick with it? Right. And so what's your prediction then for the game? My prediction for the game, I'm thinking 24-17. I think we do make enough changes. I think they may eat up some yards in the middle of the field, but I think we tighten up from the 30 in, and we're not going to let them get down deep very often. I'm going to play real tight in our own end. Uh, get the ball back more, more possessions for the offense. And I think the offense is still not going to be clicking 100%. I think we're still going to see some growing pains, but but I do think it's a uh, about a 24-17 game for us. I, I think what's happening with the Packers is a bit of a change, and, and the change is going to come from Goot, because Goot has been criticized about all of these first-round picks, and especially last year without the wide receivers, the two first-round picks, you know, our, our defense and and all of them aren't being utilized properly. They're not looking like the stars that first and second round picks should should look like right now. I think uh, Goot has probably had a talk with Barry. I know that he's probably had a talk with Lafleur, and I'm sure Lafleur has ex has explained to Barry this would be Barry's addition. If I am Joe Barry, I have to be thinking to myself: this is a game last like last game that we should be able to blow out this team. We should be able to dominate from beginning to end. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now we're going to give the Giants a bit of a nod and we're going to say the trip to London and we're going to have 50 other excuses. But now there's no excuse. This should be a 30 to nothing ass whooping. And I expect I'm going to see more blitzing out of Barry. And I expect I'm going to see more man out of Barry. Now, if Barry doesn't, if Barry like we've said, if Barry can't find his ass with both hands, then we're not going to see any change. And the Jets are going to make this a 17-16 down to the final seconds. And it's and then, without a doubt, I mean, the pitchforks, 
there'll be tailgating, there'll be prayers at mass, Barry's got to go, and there'll be t-shirts made. I don't know by which podcast, but one of them will start making a fucking t-shirt. <laughs> el that's pendejo. It, Barry's got to go. This is ridiculous. We should be able to, from beginning to end, I mean, there shouldn't be a first down by the Jets. It should be one of these so that everybody takes a deep breath and they start listening to Barry. Like you said, Joe Gray, you got Jair, you got Jones. The rumblings are in the room. Now, I've been a defensive coordinator when we've had a couple of bad games in a row where, you know, we started the season off and we let in 36 points the very first game. And for some reason, we couldn't contain the right side and they ran all freaking day long. I mean, the kid is probably still running on my defense right now, 20 years later. We've And then the next game, we had one of those, man, we let in 31 points. It was a nail biter. But yeah, we should have held them down. I heard the rumblings. I heard you're starting to lose the team. You need the team from beginning to end. It's a dictatorship. It's not a democracy. It's a dictatorship. And they have to have 100% confidence in your scheme or they're going to start making business decisions and not team decisions, right? And we're hearing Jair and we're hearing Jones. And this week, something else happens we're going to hear from another player maybe it'll be somebody like amos maybe it'll be mercedes lewis or somebody with a bit of a stature barry's got to turn it up i expect this thing to be 27 3 a complete and utter blowout that we lose you know we, you don't even want to watch the fourth quarter that'll tell me that barry has got grasp and the team will be good if this comes within three points we're in trouble, fellas, and the Vikings might win the North. Here's where I am with this, man. The Jets just put up a 40-burger last week. Our offense is not very good. I'm not sure that Joe Barry is hard-headed. Fuck, dude, I'm 46 years old, and I'm hard-headed. <laughs> my ways. So, um, my concern, I still, I just, I don't know because I've given this team the benefit of the doubt for so long that I'm struggling to do it this year until I see it. And I think that this is going to be a 31 27 Packer win where we're not going to slow them down, but we're going to do enough. We're going to figure it out enough on offense against this Jets defense to get, get it done. But I don't think that the defense is one week removed going to figure it out completely where they, where they just completely shut them down because they're still going to continue doing pass, pass, pass after the, you know, coming out of, of halftime and our defense is going to be fucking tired. And by the end of the game, there, there, there might be some junk time scoring towards the end by the jets where it's not going to feel cl as close as the score is, but it's going to be 31 27, but we're not going to be able to slow down these guys as much as, as I'd like them to. I still think the Packers win, but it's going to, it's going to feel like we're dominating, but it's not going to be domination. Wow. Let's take a break. Wichita, Kansas. From the UK. From Los Angeles. From Northern Wisconsin. From Nova Scotia. From the Derby City, Louisville, Kentucky. From Central Illinois. From Southern Cali. From Turkey. Omaha, Nebraska. From California. From Melbourne, Australia. From Chicago, Illinois. They're from the UK. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Thank you for listening to Packers Without Borders. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. Also, you can find our merch on PackersWithoutBorders.myshopify.com. 
and T Public if you want cups, mugs, and those types of things. You can also visit us on patreon.com front slash Packers Without Borders and give us some money. And audibletrial.com front slash Packers Without Borders. Give them a click, check them out, try that 30 day free trial with them, and enjoy your books. Peace and go pack go. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to. Hey, ho. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Love it. Packers Without Borders. Guys, tune in. Great show. It's not just about football. Be happy. I am your doctor. Here's the prescription. All right, welcome back and thanks for joining. I am Deepak Chona with your Sportsman Analytics Podcast for week six. Let's dive in. Starting with Kyle Pitts, we'd lean towards him playing. The numbers project about a 10% performance dip. The real concern for Pitts owners is the 20% re-injury risk that comes with an early return from a hamstring. Next, Jonathan Taylor, a true game time decision. Data does suggest that he'll play and at nearly full per play production, but also that his backups may see some extra touches. On Cooper Cup, very likely to play, Cup's statements suggest a mild ankle or a foot sprain. In most cases, wide receivers can play through these without a noticeable performance impact. I'd expect the typical output from Cooper Cup. On C.D. Lamb, this is a little more dicey. Late week additions to the injury report have relatively high rates of sitting out one week. Based on the Cowboys' comments, we would still lean towards Lamb playing, and if he's out there, he's a fantasy starter. But the problem is he is playing the Sunday night game, so you got to plan ahead if you have a, to have a backup available for C.D. Lamb. On his teammate Dak Prescott, returning for Week 6 is possible, but it is far from likely. Typical quarterback return takes about 6 weeks, which for him would be Week 7, and even that is with some decrease in their grip strength. Nearly full strength and with that performance takes about eight weeks, so we'd expect that to come after their week nine bye. On Russell Wilson, he's playing week six. The lat strain is still likely to affect his deep ball for at least another one to two weeks. This is generally though a short-term injury, so he could still be a solid buy-low candidate for season-long owners. On Tua Tagovailoa, it looks like he's returned to practice and has just been on the borderline of clearing the concussion protocol expect him over the course of the next week to get back to full practice and probably for him to be back out there in week seven not much performance impact is expected upon return so overall really optimistic on Tua 
on Rashad Bateman, he is out. Ravens haven't really given us a ton to work with on him, but the most common issue here would be a midfoot sprain, and that averages two to three weeks. Bateman is right at two right now, so don't be surprised if he rejoins the team on the practice field at the end of next week. On Chris Olave, to be determined, but we'd lean towards him playing, he is progressing through the concussion protocol based on his practice reports, and if he doesn't experience a setback on Saturday, he will very likely be cleared. Wide receivers don't experience much of a performance dip when they do return. On Mac Jones, he's averaged two to four weeks for quarterbacks. Jones is now at week three, so he does have a real shot to play, although data suggests that week seven is actually a little more likely. If he's out there, expect some limitations in his running and ability to protect himself, and as a result, short-term re-injury risk is elevated. Michael Thomas, don't be surprised if we see Michael Thomas return to practice in the next week. Turf toe averages three to four weeks for wide receivers, he's now approaching that timeline. And the fact that they kept him off of the IR does also suggest that five or more weeks out wasn't really their expectation. So the downside here is that there tends to be a performance drop off that lingers even about three weeks after the wide receivers return. So a little hesitant on Michael Thomas, although we hope to see him soon. Melvin Gordon could still go either way, but we'd lean towards him playing. Gordon's a little tricky because he's got both a neck and a rib injury, but he played through something similar last week. We wouldn't, however, be surprised if Mike Boone gets some extra touches. Next up, Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. He is a true game time decision, but we'd lean towards him sitting. A re-aggravated ankle sprain typically means a significant performance drop and a high re-injury risk. We'd avoid him in DFS even if he plays, but look for him to be near full strength in about two weeks. Keenan Allen, definitely making moves in the right direction. If he logs a limited practice session again on Saturday, it wouldn't be surprising to see him play. Either way, I'd be temporarily avoiding him because a significant, approximately 20% performance dip is expected. Allen will carry elevated re-injury risk for the next about four weeks as well. Christian Watkins is dealing with something similar, and he re-aggravated a hamstring injury, and that does not bode well for his season. These tend to be on the severe side, usually three to five weeks, but the ling there is a lingering performance impact as we discussed with Allen, even after they return. So that's why Keenan Allen has been out so long. Next, Tyler Higby. His timeline to return to practice suggests a mild ankle sprain. Most of these can be played through without any major impact on performance. I'd monitor the Sunday inactive list for Higby, but would lean towards him playing. Next up, Damian Harris. The initial reporting implied a moderate or severe hamstring strain, and those would average at least three weeks out. But as typical Patriots fashion, that may have been some misleading reporting. After logging three limited practices in a row this week, the probability of Damian Harris playing is just slightly less than 50%. What's the take home point? Exercise caution if you're riding that Ramondre Stevenson bandwagon. Next up, James Conner. Rib injuries for running backs average two to four weeks, and performance sips tend to last until that fourth week. Players commonly return sooner, but for reference, this is similar to the injury Alvin Kamara has had, and he did miss a week after coming back, likely due to some sort of setback. Next, Daryl Williams, James Conner's teammate, likely dealing with a moderate or severe knee sprain. These typically last at least three to four weeks. Running back performance does tend to recover in season shortly after returning. Dalton Schultz, Cowboys tight end, good opportunity with probably Dak coming back soon. 
but the PCL injury has put him into a slump. That is the typical trend for tight ends, and return to pre-injury level usually takes about three or four weeks, so we'd still avoid him again in week six. Next, Baker Mayfield, very likely out week six with a high ankle sprain. His sounds relatively mild, and quarterbacks can return as soon as two weeks, so he'd have a chance to play week seven, but to be determined. And then Bears wide receiver been a sleeper candidate for a, a little bit now, cause he's coming back from injury pretty soon here and expect his return week seven and return from high ankle surgery usually involves a two week ramp up but a relatively quick return to pre-injury levels otherwise and that is all for today if you want more hit me up on twitter at SportMD analysis and instagram at sportsmed analytics and until next time Dr. Pock, with all of those injury updates, fantasy football, that's the guy you want to talk to. Fantastic music in the background for that guy, too. Apparently, he's a composer. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Is this thing on? Hello. Okay, right, We've got a game. <laughs> We've got a okay. game. Okay. So this game yeah, is called Batman Voice. No, you shouldn't. Okay. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> do it in your regular voice. Okay, here we go. Brought to you by Fluid Proof Sheets for all your fluid proofing sheet needs. So sorry, when I was searching this. Christ. So it's I called swear he's history, Brent. I swear his his search history before <laughs> like after we play these games. Because I've done it when I've done a couple of the games and finally I have to like, okay, clear browser history because I give my daughter, you know, the phone or all of a sudden, and I swear, like my Twitter feed is all of a sudden full of like nudes. And then my Instagram all of a sudden has chicks like bouncing up with their boobs bouncing up and down every single time we've got these games. No, I've, I've made your phone better. Oh. <laughs> I've made your phone better. I don't know. You, Here. You got to love those analytics. Right. I love the, I, the other day I turned on Twitter. There was absolutely no porn. I was like, is it broken? Reload. Re <laughs> Kimmy nine, six, four, seven, eight, yeah, three, yeah, which is that yeah. Japanese chick that sends yeah, the yeah, me, yeah. Me good time. You she's, she's Japanese in her profile picture, Japanese on her header picture, but the picture she posts, she's Korean. She's uh, African-American. She's from Tennessee. You're like, this isn't even the same. And she's like, Oh, Matthew, me like you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had a nickel for every time. Okay. So me this lick is, you. Yeah. Me lick you long time. <laughs> me look for honest man. Yeah. Twitter's where you go. Dude, <laughs> go, go right to Twitter. That's exactly where yeah, you're gonna looking for it. an honest man. Well, you're on the right path. Just just type that in the search for Twitter, honest man. There you go. Okay, this game is called BDSM Furniture or IKEA Furniture. Our two contestants, Bruce and Brent, will try and determine by randomly guessing the names of BDSM furniture or Ikea furniture. They have to correctly identify them. The winner just gets to brag, I guess. That's Shame. Shame. We, do, we do have the Ziploc bag full of peanut butter, which is still up for grabs. 
Uh, yeah, so this is one of those games looking for an honest man. You know, do you want to win this one or lose this one? <laughs> yeah, right. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce is really good at some of these things, and I'm like, this, this is actually kind of scary. It's actually kind of scary, Bruce. Why are you so good at these things? Well, Jeremy, when you, when you have a swing that comes down from the roof in your bedroom, dude. It's well, right. there you go. Right, you and Tommy Lee. Right. <laughs> yeah, except Bruce doesn't have a boat. So, okay. <laughs> Remember he was driving the boat with his yes, yes, video? Yes. That was impressive. That was impressive. I have to say, he didn't need both drumsticks. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Here we go. First one up for grabs. Hamenes. The Hamenes. I'll let Brent pick first because I already know the answer. Oh, do you? I do. Uh -oh. Uh oh, I've used. Oh, it. I've got a. I think that's. Uh, I think I got to go with IKEA furniture on that one. It is okay. IKEA furniture. Yes, it is. Very good. Okay, one it's one drawers. It's like cabinets and drawers, and I think they have a bed as well. I think I have that in my daughter's bedroom. Okay, perfect. Okay, let's let's try this one. The Tetris Maximus. <laughs> 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 what are you thinking <laughs> fluid proof sheets <laughs> definitely is i mean it's dude everything is going to say maximus gigantus for this for the sex furniture all right all right i'll give you that one that's that's an easy one but that's what is it one. well yeah it's <laughs> the Tetris Maximus is a different, it's a table and you can put different arms and legs and you strap your opponent down, I guess. Your opponent. <laughs> your opponent. <laughs> Sorry, I've been married too long. That's what we call each other now. <laughs> your opponent. I want to do something today. Enter in your opponent. Okay. The I want to score in your end zone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> This might be an easy one. Dominicks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Again, definitely got to be BDSM. All right. Bruce, what do you think? <laughs> okay. Sure. The Doxtra. Wait, but does it come with a gag ball? The Dominitrix, does it come with a gag ball? If you order now. Cool. <laughs> the Doxtra. The Dockstrap. I'm going to say Ikea furniture because it's almost like docking, jockstrap kind of thing, but I'm going to say it's Ikea furniture. Yeah, I think I would agree. That's got to be Ikea furniture, I think. You bastards. All right. <laughs> the Tough Tan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Ikea furniture. You know, I would like to think that there's some kind of a paddling or straps involved with this, but I think it's probably Ikea furniture also. Damn, you guys. Let's go. Come on. We got to make this. Okay. This one will be difficult. Ready? The Pony Play Horse 300. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Uh, huh? Imagine how many <laughs> Allen keys you need for this. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that, no, that's a it, tiny it, little rocking Ikea horse, rocking horse. No, it's not. Now, is that sold with or without the little Bo Peep dress? Uh, if you order now, if you order now, 
Okay. <laughs> you guys are right on it. Okay. Here we go. The Boldman. Oh. Does the O have two dots over it? <laughs> <laughs> no, in it with a little smiley face. The Boldman. I'm going to say Ikea furniture just because I'm picturing two dots over the oh, I O. Think, I think we're going to diverge on this one. I think I'm going to go BDSM. We're, we're going to split our that's tie a, here. That's Ikea furniture. That's Ikea furniture. Oh, no. Two dots. Okay. <laughs> the Elp Twerp. The Elp Twerp. Elp Twerp. Doesn't he play safety for the Bears? Uh, no, uh, he's on the third <laughs> line for the uh, Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Ikea furniture for me. I, I agree, Ikea, Ikea furniture. Yep, okay, you got her. Okay. The St. Andrew's Cross. Okay. <laughs> right away, uh, Brad's shaking his head. He's like, actually... <laughs> I, I've seen one. I've seen one. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I have one, but I've seen one. Right, right, right. I've seen a picture of one of those in a dungeon. So just okay. so you know, Matt, I'm gonna tell you your tell now. Okay. Okay. You you kind of go right before a sex toy before you say anything <laughs> sex related. <laughs> okay. Here we go then. Kind of cough a little. <laughs> the collax. The collax. Is it an axe like a sex axe or is it called <laughs> a sex axe? <laughs> your, your opponent's really in trouble if you're coming right? with an axe. Tie him up to the St. Andrew's <laughs> cross and use a call axe. Rutabaga. Rutabaga. That's my safe word. Rutabaga. Her vertical smile. Rutabaga. Let's use the sex axe. Rutabaga. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to say that is IKEA furniture. Yeah, I'll go out Kia furniture too. I just can't see anybody you know, naming their BDSM yeah, it's furniture like, it's, that. It's IKEA furniture, okay. Door Alley. Door Alley or Door Alley? Hmm. Door Can Alley. You this sentence. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Guess if Door Alley. <laughs> Door Alley. I think that's also Ikea furniture. I think I'll go BDSM on this one. Oh, and it's all tied up as it's BDSM. <laughs> <laughs> Door Alley. You just think of D-O-O-R, Alley. Think about where they're going. Yeah, no, I, I heard Door Alley, but then it can be like D-O-R-A-L-E, you know, and you just, just pronounced it. This... <laughs> the elm tard oh my god <laughs> that is the name of a 13 year old french boy <laughs> <laughs> that was left in the woods too long <laughs> is that when they tie your balls really tight and they go blue Hey, Elm Tard, come here. <laughs> oh, I, 
I think that's what we used to call the kids in Alaska that got stuck to the poles in, in the wintertime. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher, there's another elm tart out there stuck to the pole. <laughs> Stop licking it. Stop licking it. It applies. Dude, Joe Barry's going to be the elm tart, dude, from now on. He's got a nickname for Joe Barry. He's stiff. <laughs> He's a tard. Supposed to say that we're gonna make so many people. I know. I know. You're making me mad. IKEA or BDSM? Uh, BDSM. IKEA for BDSM. Oh, Brent. Oh, you had just had a tie. It is IKEA furniture. (laughs) Okay. The Tashi Guru. That's a Japanese sex machine. (laughs) <laughs> the worst part is is you are bang on <laughs> i know you're trying to be funny but you pulled that one right out of the air that's exactly what it is i pulled it's it out exactly of my ass i'm gonna give you two points for that one because yes it is a japanese Next machine. All right. So I'm stopping right now. I'm going to let Brett answer by himself to try to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're worrying me a little bit when not only do you know that what it is, but the origin. Right? <laughs> yep. He's like uh, Amazon ID number 101422237. If you act now, you get free shipping. <laughs> I need to get that out of my cart. Yeah. Hang on. And it comes with. <laughs> Stainless sheets or whatever the fuck. Fluid proof sheets. <laughs> I saw that term and that's it. I want to get a tattoo that says fluid proof sheets. Just wrap the elm tart in fluid proof sheets. <laughs> That'd be good for you. That'd be good for you. Okay, here we go. These are just for Brent then. I'll try and give you a couple of softball ones. Okay, Brent, here you go. The latex vacuum bed. <laughs> <laughs> That definitely comes with fluid proof sheets. That's exactly what it does. That's two points for Brent. There we go. All tied up again. The Barrel Horse Liberator. Okay, BDSM furniture. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. And last but not least, the Shark Harmon. Oh, that's got to be Ikea. Bingo. There we go. And that's how you play BDSM or Ikea furniture. Very good, guys. You guys are good at this. What You could either work at Ikea or at an S&M shop. So, you know, future career. Bacon Bacon's going to have a little secret door and then you can go back there. You'll get, you'll get strapped to an elm tart with fluid-proof sheets. And the sign on the front is Andrew's cross. Go through the door alley in the back, grab your axe, and head to the cross. Yeah. yeah. If you order a Tetris Maximus at the counter, <laughs> give the guy a wink and slip him a 50. That, that's <laughs> no. a good name. That's a good name for one of your pastries, Bruce. Tetris <laughs> <laughs> Maximus. The, the elm tart. We're, all out of, we're all out of elm tarts today, but you, would you consider a brioche bun? <laughs> oh darn go get the brioche buns <laughs> that's that's what you're gonna your, your your staff are gonna wear name tags and bruce's name tag will be the elm tart 
Brent. mean. It is, it is Nordic. <laughs> close off this last little segment with you, man. It's such it, it's such a pleasure to have you on, man. Love interacting with you on Twitter. You're a good dude, man. We can tell. We have a lot of fun on there. But as a dad, there's a couple. There's going to be two questions. All right. The first thing is, if you were on a deserted island, oh. and you had to have only three bands. Let's make it easy. Let's make it full bands, whatever you want. What three bands would you take onto a deserted island? Uh, rubber, Tension, and Elkhart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, three bands onto a desert island. Uh, gotta have Aerosmith. Uh, Should I? Had I known the, that you were the silence, the silence is perfect. For had I known, I would have prepped him and let him know so he could think about it. But this is yeah. a big surprise. <laughs> Join us next week when Brent's got his answers. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go quite a wide spectrum. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Blues Traveler, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and Aerosmith. There you go. Okay. 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 All kind of rock bands. Okay. Cool. So you're all kind. Of, so you're like chill rock band. I mean, you've got somewhat heavy stuff, but really, it's more just kind of that same, like just the mellow. Yeah. Kind of own right of music it, Aero, yeah aerosmith the has always been my favorite band you know for for me i at least used to listen with uh with my dad to, to credence a lot and then blues traveler you know it's just kind of got that that sound you know unique from everybody else so well, uh, yeah so yeah he just rams have on you, that harmonica if you, if you oh, like yeah. if you like blues traveler and ccr have you heard of the tragically hip no you should the Tragically Hip, start with their first album, Road Apples. I've been opening Bruce's eyes to The Tragically Hip. The Tragically Hip is the greatest Canadian band that has ever been. And they have- Better than Celine Dion? Way better than Celine Dion. Let me tell you, you you, you like it. You you were singing some of it for crying out loud. It's 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 good stuff. It's good stuff. I, did. I learned it on the guitar for you. And I have to look it up. And and their, their lyricist, Gord Downey, I mean, God rest his soul, he died a few years ago. Uh, young too had a a, a brain uh, tumor type thing, but his lyrics I think they mirror Jim Morrison. So if you like the Doors at all, and some of how you know Jim Morrison's lyrics would just paint such a great picture in your head, and it was very visual. That's that's the same as the Tragically Hip. I, I I'm upset that I didn't appreciate them more when they were you know alive and going. I, and and I've been revisiting their entire collection and reading their lyrics. And it has just been, it's been mind blowing. It's really good how great music can kind of connect everybody from around the world. Much, much like the Packers. Second question for you, Brent, is <laughs> that as was a, a great dad, moment right there. <laughs> you know, when I, that was like a BBC moment there. Okay. Too bad people can't Go see ahead. It. Ask him how many sausages he'd like to be if he was. How many sausages have you jumped up your ass? <laughs> today, today or like all time? All time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All, all, all time sausages ran up my ass. Well, let me see. No. There, there was Curious that one question. Tuesday. Let's see. As a dad, so give me a bit of advice that you'd like everybody to have that has helped you throughout being a dad and raising kids and raising a boy. And you know, you're, you're, what is he? You said he's 22. Do you have any other kids? Other. I have uh, my son is 22. He lives in San Francisco and I have a 17 year old daughter who is a senior in high school. 
Good Lord. Okay. So advice for a guy who has a junior in high school heading into a senior year in high school as a girl. And that is also very fitting for uh, me, Matt. Yeah. So give us some advice with our girls heading into their senior year. Wow. Uh, see, don't interrupt them when they're in the bathroom. Don't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, uh, Definitely let letting them find their own path, you know, make sure that they're they always know that they can come to you, because I think the worst feeling I've ever had as a parent is having my child, you know, after the fact, when things have gone completely south, being able to go to them and say, why didn't you come to me and having them express that maybe they weren't comfortable with that or they were afraid of that. So uh, trying to develop that relationship enough to where they can come to you for anything. And when they do, you can give them that little bit of guidance because I think kids are smart enough nowadays and, and they're very observant, definitely more observant than I was when I was that age. So I think they can, they can ascertain, you know, what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. But sometimes they may be on the fence a little bit. And if we're just there to kind of give them a little bit of nudge, you know, let them pick their own path. And I know Bruce with your daughter and, and her singing, it's, you know, it's going to be her choice, her path. You and your wife are there to support her in whatever she does. Same, same with myself, with my daughter. My, I've coached her competition soccer team for years. And she has always played up a division. She's never even played in her own age group. That's how good she was. And she was the best in the Valley that we live in. And our team just disbanded last year because I had a bunch of seniors had moved off to college and the team kind of went away. Well, I have emails constantly from college recruiters going, we, we wanted to come to the camp. In fact, I even have one coach up in Northern California who is asked to, to possibly see her next year because he's going to be short some center backs. She's a, a defender, but she's decided I, I posted to her and she said, you know what? I, I think I'm done. I, I'm moving on to other things. I think I've done. I, I don't want to play in college. It's going to occupy too much of my time. I, I just want to kind of, kind of be and, and go my way and concentrate on what she wants to do in life. And, and I sat back and said, you know, that's fine. I, I support you 100%, you know, and, and everything that she does. So I think, you know, being there, staying close, but letting them make their own decisions, but being there to kind of give a little bit of nudge one way or another um, and, and let them find their own way in life. Great advice. Great advice, Brent. Thank you so much for joining us today in our uh, Saturday discussion with the uh, Green Bay Packers. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter? Okay, uh, my Twitter handle is GBFan661. And I just want to say uh, I'm honored, guys. You know, I, I have just had a smile on my face for the last couple of days when, uh, when you asked me to come on. And, you know, I enjoy all the back and forth and, and, the group of people that uh, that you guys attract, you know, Carla and I go back and forth a lot, and that girl just cracks me up. Yeah. And Jeremy, uh, Jamie, and just the 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 group of people that uh, that you guys have kind of brought together in a little Twitter family. Um, so I was I was honored to be on today, and uh, thanks for asking me. Like I said, I, I don't now that my my dad passed away a few months ago. I don't really have. I, I was mentioning it this morning. I work with like nine guys that none of them watch football. I'm like, yeah. seriously, I've got nobody to talk the games with. <laughs> yeah. 
I know all the all the all of my employees, all my staff, they're like football, NFL. No, we didn't watch that last night. I'm like, are you kidding me? I I've got to get this out. So when Bruce and I connected, like it, it was like a daily, you know, it's a bitch fest. Bruce will call me and go off for 15 minutes about how terrible he thinks this is, and I'm like, you're absolutely right. Like I can't wait for tomorrow. I'm gonna call Bruce tomorrow and I'm gonna bitch the whole time about the offense, right? Like it's so good to get it out, and you know, it, it's it's good as a fan to be able to say they're bad here. I don't like this. I don't like that, but I love them and I'm going to stick with them through thick and thin. And I really hope they get this fixed and we can all sit here and prophesize and, you know, come up with these different predictions and hope that this and that ultimately this is a long season. And in that season, we're going to be angry. We're going to be happy. We're going to be sad. We're going to be frustrated and we're going to watch it all again next year. And we're going to, and it's just beautiful. As loud. Yeah, this is yeah, how it is. That's for sure. And and we've known for a long time. I mean, if you were a, a, a Packer fan before Brett Favre, we never saw the playoffs. We never had a hint of the playoffs. We were just all around terrible. We get Brett Favre, and all of a sudden we're going every year. It's expected. Then we get Aaron Rodgers, and we're going every year. It's expected. I mean, we know we can't continue to go every single possible year that there's always going to be a slip there's always going to be, we needed something, something went wrong. We couldn't this, we couldn't that. The football gods are fickle. But we stick side by side with the Packers and we, lo we love to be with them. And, you know, Bruce and I, Absolutely. we love our little Twitter communities here and, uh, you know, our, our listenership going up. And, and we've got people on Patreon that do things like pay to listen to our show, which is just, for us, is like mind-blowing. Mind <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you really want to hear us? Two dummies, <laughs> right, going back and forth. But, you know, it, we appreciate you, Brent, and uh, we loved having you on, brother. And uh, we'll have to have you uh, on again soon. And uh, you have a great rest of your day. And uh, don't forget, Mailbag Monday. If you've got any questions for us, you can send them to us at Packers Without Borders at Outlook.com. Find us on Twitter at Borders Packers. Find us on Facebook, Packers Without Borders, and Packers Without Borders Merch where Bruce's children will still be knitting shirts all throughout the weekend. Correct. <laughs> at myshopify.com to get these shirts limited edition. They will only be out for this season and then we're getting rid of them and then we'll come up with a whole new idea. So they are limited. Get what you want. Um, Patreon.com front slash Packers without borders again, Matt, Brett, like I have to tell you, we are so humbled by what you guys do. And even just the interaction and the retweeting and the helping us out has been, um, it's been pretty cool, man. And one last question. How'd it feel to be at the first Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> what was the weather like? It was, it was a... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Terrible. Shot across the bow was... to end the show. <laughs> well, that was like, you know, Jeremy and I went back and forth the other day when yesterday when he Somebody had put up tweet your picture and we're going to guess your age. And, you know, I kind of took a guess at Jeremy's and was fairly close. And he looked at mine and and I think it was one of those that, that he didn't want to insult me too much. And he guessed fairly close. You know, I'm 50. He guessed like 47. But then he said, well, actually, I was going to guess 69. But I think that was just because I was I was wearing the Bakhtiari uh, Baraccio shirt. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, but but I, I kind of got to looking at the picture. I'm like, wow, you know, the bald head and the gray beard kind of does make me look up there. So, 
we're all up there. You're just not wrinkled. It's okay. The wrinkles are what give it away. You've got 50 years of wrinkles, not a... (laughs) I call them battle scars with my fight with life. I knew in the end that this would be ugly. (laughs) I do sleep on uh, fluid-proof sheets. so uh, Well, that apparently gives you a great complexion. That works. I might have to look into that. (laughs) Beautiful. This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go Pack Go! Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego. <laughs>